Welcome to the Scale Up Ballet podcast, where we bring the best of the best to help you scale your business from 1 million to 1 trillion. Today's guest is a special one, is a fellow Portuguese founder uh, living in Brazil. Uh, you know that I've been covering a lot of uh, Latin founders and Brazilian founders, especially in the health tech uh, space, given my, my own condition that some of you have listened in previous episodes, so I will not repeat and, and send you back to, to other episodes. But today, my guest is uh, Rui Brendel, the CEO and co-founder at Zen Club. Rui, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mike, for having me. Uh, really excited to be here. Likewise, and uh, I'm really happy because before we started this the recording of this podcast, uh, Hui uh, had the care to ask me a little bit about more about myself because a lot of the shows, the guests come, we prepare the session, we talk about them, and then we record the session. But no one wants to know about my story. <laughs> so thank you, Hui. I got interviewed before uh, interviewing you. But let, let's get to know more about the, the amazing stuff that. Uh, and your story is is amazing, and especially we are recording this show after the um, the mental health day. Uh, it was a, so it will it will not be released uh, in the upcoming days, but uh, but at least there is a certain uh, coincidence uh, in the in the recording day of of uh, of this podcast. So let, let's get to know more about you and and, and your story. What an open-ended question, right? <laughs> uh, so qu quick background on, on myself. I'm, I'm 32 years old. I'm a medical doctor by training. Um, started, started working, actually started university in Portugal, then did a year in Austria and decided to end up med school in Brazil, where I've been based for the past 10 years. <clears throat> Always wished and actually got on the vascular surgery track. So started residency later in the US in vascular surgery, but throughout the end of my med school years and the beginning of my residency years, my mom um, suffered from a burnout, which later on turned into uh, psychotic attacks. And, and finally she ended up being diagnosed with a late bipolar disease. Um, those years uh, really opened my eyes to uh, how important mental health is. Uh, both in terms of like how little we talk about it, um, how hard it is even for a medical professional to take care of his own mother um, and, and the impact it has not only on the person, but on the, on the loved ones and, and all sorts of relationship a person has. Uh, so with that, I decided to quit medicine. I quit my vascular surgery residency, flew from New York to Brazil again and started Zen Club um, a bit over six years ago, so way before the pandemic, with the goal to uh, really democratize and empower people with emotional health. And yeah, I've been the CEO uh, of the company since then. Um, the world has changed, mental health stigma has changed, and I think it's a much more outspoken topic, and I'm delighted to be here to talk a little bit about it. That's an amazing story and, and congratulations for transforming a threat into an opportunity and again, uh, helping others uh, have the help that, uh, that your mother had and, uh, and, and really 
progressing with 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 your company um and especially in this in this topic that has really uh, i think it's it's emerging more and more and more uh and also given the lifestyle that we are living nowadays uh for instance we are just doing this remotely and having all these calls <laughs> uh, and uh, and all the pressure the the velocity the the social media stimulus and and so on mm -hmm. if we are not able to to go offline sometimes and to disconnect uh, it becomes difficult to get an end on, on our uh, own mental health and how has been this evolution and the different stages uh, of the company first uh, being a doctor and then moving into entrepreneurship right uh, deciding to start your own startup uh, we're almost uh, thinking about it as a given because now we know that you have built a, a great company but at the time uh, you should have <laughs> a lot of questions what the hell am i doing <laughs> Uh, it's a, it's a good question. I think sometimes we uh, we take some choices in life, and once we take them, we we never look back. At least that's the way I I operate. Uh, um, I would say there are, there are two main things that led me to three main things that led me to do this. So the first is I've always thought that the health system is fractured. So it it actually shouldn't be called health system. It should be called a sick system. Um, so even as a young physician, um, I always wanted to, to eventually be part of the management of the supply chain of healthcare, whether it would be a hospital, um, a health plan, whatever, a, pharmac a pharmaceutical company, whatever. Because there's every year, uh, more and more young doctors, nurses, therapists get out there in the workspace. But the dynamics of the, of the system, it really doesn't put the patient or the client in, at the center. And it's the financial institution or the financial flow of money that actually dictates how it operates, right? So uh, you know that a hospital wants to kick you out as quickly as possible so that they have an extra bed, they can put someone sicker than you and they can bill uh, expensive procedures to the health plans and the health plans in turn want to charge the companies and that's how the flow goes. And, and so I've always had that look into, I, I don't want to be a one-on-one -on -one doctor. I really want to be a one-to-end. And by that, I'll eventually have to go into a management role. At 23, I wasn't, I'd, I'd never thought of opening my own company. So <laughs> the second point is, I honestly saw how um, neglected mental health mm -hmm. uh, is. And honestly, like feeling that burden so close to home and so close to heart, it just made me say, okay, there, there must be something here. And at the time, uh, I was in New York and Doctor on Demand just raised like $75 million. Right. Talkspace had just raised like $12 million. This is 2015. And I was like, okay, um, digital health is clearly picking up in the US. And I started reading and, and discovered that there was a already regulation in Brazil as well. And Brazil has the same like macro dynamics as the US, which is private health, like every company pays for private health insurance to your employees. Um, so, so that's one thing which is completely different to Europe where like the state owns right. most, of, most of healthcare. 
Secondly, um, people are willing to pay out of pocket. So people are used to it, to spend money on health, which is a second thing, um, which also doesn't happen in, in Europe that much. And thirdly, when you start thinking about the sheer, like um, the sheer inequality, so mm -hmm. both in terms of cost, in terms of security, like for you to use services, the quality of services, the, the ease of access of services, you just start realizing, okay, Brazil is a country I know, uh, it's a huge country. Uh, uh, regulation is on the way for, in the forefront. So uh, a lot of, a big tendency of Brazil is to follow the lead of the US. I thought, okay, I have an edge here. And thirdly, um, I just had the right, uh, the right endorsement from my parents, from friends and, and, from, and from people I knew, uh, started knowing into the, in, in the startup venture world of like, I'm 23, I can, if everything goes, goes wrong at 24, I'll be back. Like <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and it's always good as a doctor at the time, uh, right? That you always had a, a, a plan B in a, in a certain exactly. way and, and a good career to follow. It's important to have a plan B. It kind of makes you, as some people say, like entrepreneurship, it's not about risk-taking, it's about dim diminishing risks, exactly. uh, right? Uh, and, and having a plan B, which I don't really want, but there, it is there, will allow me to just look forward. And if I fall back, I'll, <laughs> exactly. I'll stand up and go on to plan B. <laughs> and I think that it gives a, a different, uh, I would say, calm of mind to know uh that you have the, that plan b or it's it's almost I, I i'm not i'm not sure where i read this but uh, there was someone who had kind of uh 500k or it was almost at, at at the end of the cash flow of the company and someone said okay you have here 500k if you need more that will allow you for another six or nine months um, and the person never picked the, the check, but just knowing that there was the check there, uh -huh. the story is a little bit different, but it's this it's kind of moral of the story. And just, just having that, uh, that option uh, helps to, to, to make it's, better it's decisions. It's thinking right? of that plan B, but it's knowing that you're risking. Exactly. Right? Trying and to not use the plan B and going for the plan A. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. And and uh, you said you knew Brazil because you were you have been studying in in Brazil yeah. uh, before, um, mm -hmm. right? So that that was the the rationale why you started thinking should I go into Europe, the US, where you were uh, mm -hmm. studying? Yeah. Bra Brazil from a from a from a like continental perspective. One, two, yeah. uh, lack of international competition. So. Like Brazil okay. is that is that sort of country where if you know the meanders, like you can be very successful. If you don't, it's a clear barrier of entry. So that was second. And thirdly, um, because of the dynamics of the market, like Europe didn't make sense because of the public to private. Also because in Europe, people weren't so uh, open to mental health or open to digital health. But yep. Brazil, people are very avid users of all sorts of social networks and all like credit cards and capitalism runs in Brazil, you know, so it just made sense. Sounds good. Uh, there was something that was being commented also that Brazil follows more the the, the US than the even the Spanish speaking countries that in a certain mm -hmm. way also have a tendency to look at what is going on in Spain, right? Absolutely, absolutely. It's a good point. Really? 
we love the gringo view <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> And and uh, and then of course you start the company. Uh, what has been some of the challenges that you faced in 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 the zero to one uh, journey? Because just to contextualize, mm -hmm. maybe maybe it would be good also for for the audience who don't know you to mm -hmm. understand where you are in terms of growth, uh, number of sure. employees, uh, mm -hmm. rounds. I know that you have raised the Series A and last year, um, but but just give us a sure, little sure. bit more I'll context give an overview. for the I've studied everything, so <laughs> but but the guests, but the audience know. Sure. So Zen Club is six years old. Um, we're currently at 130 employees. Mm -hmm. um, we more than 500 companies use our services, so we're we're now a B two B mental health company. Um, we have a network of our own professionals of 850 psychologists, coaches, right. and mind mindfulness experts. Um, and yeah, as you, as you mentioned, we raised a, a 10 million uh, Series A last year, $10 million last year, and we've yeah. raised about $15 million up to date. Uh, funny thing is, for the first four years, we're, we were completely bootstrapped. So nobody so wanted to put a single dollar into our company. Uh, and then ever since 2019, we've raised every single year up to now. Um, so, so that's us. So a, a couple of milestones here. Uh, we started off B2C, not B2B. So right. one of the first things like we learned from exploring the market is it's very hard to penetrate the health market. <laughs> and so our initial thesis was if we create a platform where people can book, pay, and do uh, an online consultation uh, for uh, a third of the price, we will be able to scale and get to a, a certain volume where after that we can explore other, other channels, whether it's insurance, whether it's corporations. But we need to have the flexibility to grow on ourselves because we have to be nimble and fast. Mm -hmm. And so the way we started our business was basically, let's, let's onboard 30, 50 specialists. Let's interview every single one of them. <clears throat> let's understand their pain points and, and let's get a competitive price on their session. And so um, we started getting specialists we, which were willing to give us like free slots for a third of the price. In turn, let's create a very, Simple but easy to use uh, user experience where a person can Google us online, can, can get to know us on Instagram, and they'll basically write down what they're feeling, anxiety, depression, self-awareness, whatever. Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll give them three or five specialists. They'll book, they'll pay, and they'll do. So like a four-step process. Yeah. At the time, six years ago, this was innovation. Exactly. <laughs> um, what was our first learning then? Um, we were disrupting a market that, although it, it is a bit neglected, it, 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 it exists. And mm -hmm. so our first barrier of resistance, our first resistance, were the actual specialist community. So we had to lobby our way with the Conseil Federal, the, like the, the psychologist federal uh, boards and psychiatrical medical boards, because they thought we were banalizing the professional the profession of, 
by bringing wow. therapy online. So what that was that? our. <laughs> so, well, we had to to do a lot of research and, and and really to prove our case, but thankfully in 2018, uh, finally, the 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 board the boards in Brazil approved and they re fully regulated the market. Mm -hmm. So that was our first learning. Like have, don't go crazy about supply, have a really trusted and small group of people close to you right. that you can learn from fast, that they are willing to give you their time. So we wanted as many slots as possible from each individual and you can quickly, you can grow your value proposition for them and for the end user. A second thing is we really wanted that close group of professionals because we wanted to we wanted to pass off quality to the end right. user. So it's not about quantity, like you can yeah. have the, the biggest supply in the world. No, it's about like quality and quick quickness to the consultation. Can I consult today? Can I consult now? Can right. I consult tomorrow? So these were our two, like basically success factors on the supply side. Second milestone is when we decided after the regulation, so 2019, we, we've learned like we're probably doing, I don't know, 5,000 consultations a month. So it's really mm -hmm. small business yet. And we're like, okay, the biggest pain point we have in our business is that people don't have enough disposable income to pay for like a hundred dollars a month of therapy. Like right. it's just not Brazil's reality. Right. So eventually the dynamics of our business there, they weren't like evergreen. Right. So we yeah. would have a good CAC payback, like two, three months, but we couldn't get that three to one LTV to CAC, four to one LTV to CAC that VCs. Right. right? And, and honestly, a proper business has to have. Uh, <laughs> so we, we decided to go on to the B2B. That's, that's how it came. Uh, because we, we, we understood like companies are having issues yeah. with their employees. Employees are, are, are being asked more of their mental uh, development, of their mental resilience, of their mental well-being. Um, but there's, there's clearly a value proposition to be offered here. Right. It's interesting. You, you just approached it, uh, one of the main pains uh, of uh, any, I would say any startup, but especially health tech startups, right? So which, which is the, the go-to-market and understanding uh, according to the go-to-market, what is the ICP uh, that we want to, to serve. Uh, and you, you even were commenting about the option of going through health plans and insurance or going by a, a corporate the corporate the corporate way or kind of the b2b to c and uh, through the b2b uh, i'm sure that the ones who are listening and are going through these questions uh, are are curious to know also what what is your approach and what has been your experience uh, on on that side awesome question so so yeah it's true like at the beginning we did open up more than just the b2b so we opened up like let's let's try to validate corporate insurance, hospitals, and pharmaceuticals. So we had a different pitch to, to, to all these. So like, for example, why should I uh, go knock on Pfizer's door? Because they provide medicine, psychiatric medicine, so to depressive, to anxi uh, anxious people, right? Um, offering 
a teletherapy service to those uh, users and users will enable them to have better adherence, uh, better outcomes. And so, and, and we have all like, so for awesome. corporations, let's help leaders focus on professional development and um, let them refer their employees whenever they see they have an emotional issue or a personal issue to come to Zen Club. So it's, it's much more of a, let's, it's another completely different pitch, but the, the offering is sort of the same. Right. And what we learned, Mike, was one, hospitals don't have therapists. And that was a, that was a hard shocking truth for me. So like a 500 bed hospital has one therapist and wow. it, he's just there to do the routine of like critical, critical cases, which is uh, in my honest opinion, like disastrous. Uh, health plans at the time didn't care about mental health. Like they were, right. they had other issues uh, to solve like fraud and oncology and orthopedics, which are much more uh, costly. Um, pharmaceuticals, we didn't, we weren't capable of, of validating. This is something I still want to validate in the future, but I haven't, we haven't been capable of, of putting a, a, a good plan here. And basically, we, we proved software companies, tech companies, uh, advertisement agencies, educational companies. So we just started seeing like leaders clearly saying, please help me. Uh, I don't know like uh, how to take care of my employees. Um, they're going through some personal stuff. Like we are asking them a lot in terms of right. self-development, in terms of results, right? And so these were the first sort of companies. Uh, th this was our ICP. And um, in 2019, pre-pandemic, we had the chance. At the time, I was frustrated with the, with the slow growth. <laughs> because we, we closed the year with probably like 12 logos. So not a lot, um, mm -hmm. but we did learn a valuable lesson, which was how to sell, but most importantly, how to engage. How do we engage a mass of employees to use Zen Club and how to validate like the, the purchase of that company, like of Zen Club as a benefit, <clears throat> which, which proved itself very relevant because 2020 came in the door, right? Pandemic hit in March. And we grew from 12 companies to 185 in a single year. Wow. Uh, without, like, without, like, that was never our plan. Um, and, and the most impressive thing was we not only grew with startups, but companies such as AB Bev, which is a 35,000 employee company, hired us. We had Natura, which is a 5,000 employee company hirings. We had Amazing new bank numbers. like uh, hiring us for their users, not their employees, their users. users. So, oh. so that was a clear like turn of events where mental health stopped being like the the ugly duck in the kit in, in the room and started the timing. Being, yeah, because the right timing in, in the market because in the US it started uh, earlier, early. right? Uh, and, and again, going from the the zero to one, kind of the the main questions uh, on the deck. The term, of course, the term was a little bit proven in the US with the US benchmarks that we were talking about. But then there was, I, I assume, the typical question, uh, but okay, are Brazilians willing, willing to pay for this kind of service? They have the capacity to pay for this kind of service. Uh, so the term seems amazing. 
huge. Uh, it will grow a lot in the in the upcoming years as it happened in the US. But uh, what is the willingness to pay and the capacity of the Brazilian student to pay for this kind of this? This was some some of the questions that you got. Uh, of Absolutely. course, you, did, you bootstrap it in the beginning, right? But maybe also because you didn't have uh, appetite from investors at at that time. Absolutely, you're you're a hundred percent right. I think back then and still today, but back then TAM was definitely the biggest question. Like we we we'd receive no's from so i don't think there's a tam I, I think that's a niche market so that 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 was definitely the case but i'll be honest like our cap table and the investors we brought in uh, they come with a very long-term vision uh, aligned with ours of this is clearly uh one of those issues that society needs to solve um I understand that TAM is growing exponentially. For instance, if you look at therapy sessions in Brazil, they've been growing 25% year on year for the past seven years. So will you question about the TAM today or will you question about the society question like and, and right. problem in the future? And that's the sort of investors we brought in, to be honest, like short term, uh, go with the masses, investors, did not invest in Zen Club, did turn down Zen Club. Uh, more missionary long-term investors did see like, okay, this is a strong, this is a huge problem, strong company. They have to prove themselves, but we're backing them. Right. I'm just asking this because I'm sure that's a lot of the, the founders who are listening to us or, or the executives who are thinking about starting their own companies are getting these kind of questions. And it's important to, to again, there, there are a good fit with investors and work on your thesis, get better. Mm -hmm. uh, but there is a certain point that also at, uh, at pre-seed stage or from zero to one or at seed stage, you don't have all the answers, right? So that, that's where you were even were talking about go to market. Again, it's, it's really important. I think it's one of the, another, one of the main questions. I would say TAM team and, and go to market would be, uh, the main questions that we would get at, at that stage, right? Uh, and we have been discussing the, the, how difficult it is to crack the go-to-market and how many validations. And and again, it's important, as, as you just shared, to, to keep going and to keep validating and to keep the enthusiasm, failure after failure, <laughs> as, as Winston Churchill would say, right? <laughs> it, it's not, this hypothesis was not correct. Let's test a new one, right? <laughs> and, and, and you've got to come to terms that some people will always question you about the same thing. Like yeah. um, our next round will be a series B. Uh, we're obviously always in touch with, with a group of investors. And there's some people like the TAM is an issue, like just cross them off your list. Okay. Like, okay. Like, like it happens and it's all good. But as you said, like, I think, I think your job, especially on a pre-seed or seed round, it's to validate the concept and find investors that really believe in yourself and in the space. That's it. And this is a good point that we didn't discuss too much about, about the founding team. Uh, again, you, you already explained a little bit of, of your story as a doctor and we have other uh, examples, but it's also a difficult transition to, to kind of uh, create your business at or build your business at uh, uh, at the same time. From other perspective, you know very well the market, you, you have a, a strong domain or understanding of uh, the doctor mindset and, and uh, of the stuff that you, are, that you are doing from a technical 
perspective as well. Uh, but how do you build the founding team and what were the critical uh, members of the team in the beginning of, of, of Zen Club? Mm -hmm. So I started the company with José Simões. Um, he's my co-founder. Uh, we're, we're, we're together uh, still. Um, and he, so he's one of those elements that really made me uh, get on this track. So we met, we really connected. Um, and he decided, okay, let's start this together. I'm not going to jump in right away, but I'll, I'll, I'll keep my job. He was the head of product at Dafiti. Um, and so he came, I came, I entered it with time. He came in with money and spare time. And, um, that, that's how we bootstrapped it. Um, so, so definitely a component there and, and, and thank you for bringing it, um, which was super important. That's the first. So knowing that me and Zaya with time and his money, like we could go on and validate, that's first thing. Secondly, very complementary skill set. So I'm a doctor, Zay is a PhD in engineering. Um, so the, secondly, thirdly, um, he was the head of product of a ooh, thousand people uh, company, one of the biggest e-commerces in Brazil. So also, uh, track validation there of scaling a business. And um, we just decided to make it happen, the two of us, uh, since, since the beginning. Love it. Uh, great story. So kind of we covered the kind of the zero to one journey and, and, the, and the issues with, with the go to market to the time, choosing the right investors. And of course, the most important building uh, the right founding team and having the, the best co-founder or co-founders um, around you. It's, it's critical for the ups and downs. Um, and I would say not only in the first three years, it's, it is always a challenge, especially if, if I'm much more specialized in, in going from one to 10 and uh, I can see the pain of, of getting there. And especially the ones we, we also look at super being super successful, they keep having a huge pain of going from the 10 to 20, 20 to 50, 50 to 100 and, and face those growth plateaus that it seems that there is nothing that we can do to, to go into the next milestone as quickly as, as possible. Um, but, uh, but anyway, let, let's focus now more on, on where is your brain today and, and your focus today that is going from, from one to 10. Uh, and I would say also scaling the team, um, and of course you you build the culture a little bit earlier. But any insights there on on scaling up the, the team mm -hmm. and, and Zen Club? Yeah, I, I think we're we're exactly at the point where we're going through that second milestone from one to ten, um, and 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 this it's 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 been so that's been the past two years. Um, it's been very interesting, personally and, and, and organizationally speaking. Um, organizationally speaking, so yeah, we, we went from like a team of 10 pre-pandemic to, to a team of 140, give or take now. Um, th there's a thing, Mike, which is very important, which is we're a mental health company and something that we've now been able to to master is the ability to really be transparent and, and really facilitate um, good discussions in the workplace that have 
growth as the output. So people that work at Zen Club today, they're not just missionaries because they believe in mental health or activists because they want to be in a place that really values mental health because that's not the only thing that we want. We want people that are really ambitious to grow because that fulfillment of that mission is impacting millions and millions of people. And, and so I don't know if this sounds basic or not, but it's been very challenging. It was very challenging for us to get the right tone of voice of how to push the company forward. You know, this is, it's called Zen Club. <laughs> it's, it's mental health, but we're very ambitious. And so those are our, our lessons we've learned along the way. I'll tell you like the way we, we, we overput this is through being sincere, being transparent, really, really investing in people's development, mm -hmm. um, in investing in leadership development. Um, and, and so I, I would say culture is definitely like the, the, the top one challenge. And I would say secondly, it's how do you guide your workforce, your teams, uh, through the path of least resistance to grow. Mm -hmm. So how do you really, as, as more and more people come on to come onto your company, like how do you make sure there's one goal that it's distributed mm -hmm. across all of them? And we've had that particular challenge because we're, we're a marketplace. We're a three-sided marketplace. Right. So we have the corporate's interest, we have the professional's interest, and we have the the person's interest. And sometimes it's hard to like put to synthesize in a North star metric. Uh, but again, I think we, we, we pushed through and, and we've captured value on that. Um, yeah. But I would say those are the two main challenges, honestly. Yeah. Um, Super interesting what you said and uh, something I like to say it's well, Every CEO, every company needs to be able to handle a, a two-sided marketplace to make customers happy and uh, employees happy. Uh, so I would say we have a four-sided uh, marketplace. <laughs> and if we add the investors on top of that, <laughs> so the five-sided marketplace, that, that's why it's not an easy job to be at uh, Stakeholder in, in the CEO seat. <laughs> It's, no, it's, it's and aligning all those interests is one of the main jobs again that even you were talking about the different uh, icps that you like to um, to validate really it's the product is the same but we need to have a valid position that is different for uh, for each of them so super interesting uh, point and uh, yeah <laughs> it's, it's a good way of putting it I, I never thought of it that way and I think on the personal side, I think you have to be very humble. I think that's it. I think, I think you're always learning. Um, you might be very bullish and, and have your intuition and, and really want to fall through a certain way. But if people come at you with data points and with other facts, right. just be humble to accept them um, and learn. Learn as fast as yeah. possible and, and dis disseminate that, those learnings. Do you think that it, it's helped you to not come from a business background? Because sometimes I feel that the ones who, especially even for the ones who have been leading companies before starting up their own companies, they come already with a lot of stuff from their past. And, they, they, and we think, and I'm talking about myself included, 
we think that we know stuff uh, and then uh, we, we got surprised or uh, or we we think okay we have tried that we didn't it didn't work this is the way it works this is the framework that I follow uh, and and we, we stop listening uh, and <laughs> all the theory is there right? so we, we are able to to say the good stuff but we are not doing the the good stuff <laughs> that, that that's where also self awareness uh, comes in a certain way I think that's that's one of the advantages of the youngest founders that are now coming to start their own companies in a certain way for the ones who also transition from more a medical background into a business background. They become much more curious, much more open. They, 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 are, they are not able to not know what they don't know, but they know that they don't know a lot of stuff, right? <laughs> I would put it in a different wording maybe, which is naivety, right? The, the lack of knowing makes you take bolder risks maybe. Correct. But at the same time, I think what you were saying is, go, I think goes back to the point of humbleness or willingness to learn. Yeah. I think even if you're a second, yeah, I think, I think that self-awareness you just mentioned, I think that's yeah. the, and so you, you don't want to be very naive because you're going to take risks, next, <laughs> which will, could be fatal, but you, all, you always want to be hungry for learning and, and not just copy pasting past experience onto new experience. And uh, of course, there is something that we always like to to talk about uh, on the show, which is your own growth, right? So coming from a doctor background into starting your own company, then seeing it, the company going from one to ten, uh, from zero to one, and now from one to ten, having an one hundred and forty plus uh, employees uh, responsibility. Um, how have what are kind of the stuff or the recommendations that you that you that you would give to other founders and other CEOs on how to invest in themselves and to keep growing? It's it's easy to say again. It's very theoretical to say we need to grow quicker than <laughs> than the company. If not, we become the bottleneck of growth of the company. But uh, at the same time, uh, I'm sure that every every founder out there and every CEO out there would love to grow quicker than the company. The way how to do it, it's really the million dollar question. Right? <laughs> it definitely is. It definitely is. I would say it's 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 picking up references. So some people love reading books. Like I read one book a year, but I, I make sure it is the book. I don't know how I do it, but the past three, four years, I've, I've been like, so books like No Rules Rules by, from Netflix, from Reed Hastings about culture or yeah. so, so yeah, reading um, in a way. Uh, some people <clears throat> have mentors and people close to them that really allow them to be vulnerable, share their, their stories and get back. I don't have a very big group of mentors, I would say, but I always try to uh, have new and opportune conversations with people that can, that can add value. Like if, if I'm having a, a growth problem, who can I talk to? that I can discuss the current situation, right? Um, but what I, I, I think I do is I, I read a lot of newsletters. So I have a couple of, of really good newsletters, in-depth newsletters that bring usually, K, there, there's, there's sort of both. Like for instance, Ross Simons, in terms of drilling down like the case of, of, of a big IPO or a big, I don't know, uh, internationalization by a company, 
or at the same time, like more broad open topics that really make you think differently about the world. So like mm-hmm. Professor Scott Galloway is a big reference to me. It's like my Saturday go do, it's Reedy's newsletter. Um, but yeah, I think at the end it comes, it, you, I think you have to be intentional about chasing information that you need. That like, I, I'm really frustrated. I, I, I'm really roadblocked here. Where yep. can I pick up information that will yeah, illuminate? Exactly. Because the answer is inside usually, but it's just a matter of looking at the problem in a different perspective, right? Again, solving the the bottlenecks and, and the big problems uh, step at a time, right? And, and focusing a lot on what are the most. It will be impossible to solve every single problem. We need to be able to live with that. But what what are the ones that will move the needle? Um, and something that we we jump at that I I would like to highlight about what you said is is definitely this mindset of growing at all cost. Uh, it it. If it is not well managed, it, it could be it could work against uh, a mental health uh, company, uh, a VC backup company trying to deliver mental health services, improving the mental well-being uh, in terms of mission, and at the same time being able to do the same in a VC backed uh, yeah. industry. It's it's not an easy task. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be coherent, right? Like you. Exactly. you... <laughs> <laughs> it's the best way to describe the culture. <laughs> Absolutely. It's not about what you say, it's about what you do. Right? <laughs> and that's something I think we're really intentional, uh, Mike. So one of the things like I really think about is, is like how to, so we, we have like employee pulses every month. To, so we're a fully remoted company. Um, and we're really intentional about like, for instance, everyone having we want to be a remote company. We want to be a distributed company because mm-hmm. we've been able to attract very good talent with it. But with that yeah. comes also the downside of like, how do you get the message across? How do you show right. to your people like, where do you want them to grow up to? And so like, for instance, this, this past month, we've just been able to, for the first time in the company's history, to start the new quarter, the fourth quarter of 2022, with everyone having individual KPIs set, like we have like wow. 400 individual KPIs all coming down from like, and the way I see this, it's like, it's not having just a, a goal, but it's like people are crying out loud for psychological safety. People are crying out loud for clarity. Mm-hmm. They wanna have yeah. responsibility. Okay, KPIs. Let's yeah. for, for a single month, September, really drill down the strategy. And with every manager, with every lead, we're going to drill down to everyone has to have at least three KPIs. And they have, and so, like, I think this is something that really makes me proud, which is like being able to look at development needs and human needs with at the same time, like ambitious, growing needs as a business. Right, how to manage both? It's it's definitely the the big challenge. Love it. And before we get into the into the final segment, I know that I'm pushing here a little bit the the time. Uh, sorry, Rui. Which is any any looking back and going through the different rounds that you have raised. It's um, 
any points that you would highlight uh, for other founders that are going through the process of stuff that you learn do, uh, going through fundraising? Specifically regarding fundraising. Yeah. Um, I, th I think we kind thing... of cover the bits, team, yep. culture, go to market, uh, not a lot about product, but of course, here we, we can also invite Jose to, to talk yeah, about that. <laughs> I, I would definitely say bring strong angels um, onto your round. Uh, that, that was definitely like the tipping point for us. Like we managed to, to bring one and then two and then four and then six. Once I knew it, I had like 10 really influential people um, that did a small check, but they were willing to put a good award out there, um, introduce me or come with me and talk to VCs about the specifics of mental health. And, and that really changed the game of, of, of our seed round, which later on, uh, impacted in our series A and and so yeah. that would be the best advice possible I could give. Got it. And and in terms of the approach to to those angels, any an advice there uh, as well? I, I think I think like as a CEO or as a founder, you have to network. Full stop. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it like intentionally, uh, we want people that had health insurance ties because we that's a channel like we really want to explore and we understand okay we're not there yet but eventually it will have to come onto the onto our party uh <laughs> second um other other like hr slash benefit companies angel investors i think you have to be intentional um and and just and just <laughs> bring people that will understand your business awesome so let's go into the final segment of the show where I ask you a quick question and give me a, a quick answer or short answer as you wish. But if you would have the opportunity to meet Hui at the beginning of Zen Club for a coffee, what advice would you offer to your younger Hui? <laughs> so ready. Uh, I would say be more focused on validating your business than actually bringing money inside. I think, I think um, yeah, that would be my, my main goal. Strong one. What, what, are, what are you the most proud of on your journey so far? Uh, definitely having, like our memories is short-sighted. I, I, would, I would go with the individual KPIs for the whole company. I think that was, a, it's, it's a recent thing, but the, it symbolizes so much, you know, like to be able to understand your business so profoundly and being able to drill down every single person in the organization has a job to be done that impacts the, the goal. And right. that just... we could do an entire podcast just about uh, that topic, maybe <laughs> food for thought. You will, you will get back to discuss that. <laughs> and of course, you are always invited to come. There are so many stages and that would like to, to cover. Uh, and I'm sure that you will keep scaling the company. So you need to come back to, to keep sharing the story. So worst advice ever received? Worst advice I ever received? <laughs> you should go to Portugal and internationalize the company. Like that was, there was an era like we were veering, we're being very pushed to like, just go to Argentina, go to, Portugal, and we decided to go to Portugal. It was a four-month uh, uh, test, uh, and it was just too soon, 
too soon. All right. So the focus today is still uh, Brazil, Brazil, and it's it's a big mm -hmm. continent, as you said. It's kind of mm -hmm. the U.S. market in in that sense that you are able to build a very big business without leaving uh, the continent, not not the country. <laughs> that, that came that came with a, a very best advice I received, which is don't run from your fight. Mm -hmm. Our fight was validating mental health in Brazil, and right. we conundrum the fact that no let's go to portugal we'll learn a lot there and bring it back to brazil what makes absolutely no sense. no sense so it comes with the best advice ever also to don't run away from your fights <laughs> that's a good one sorry to to kind of add here uh, uh, an addenda uh, in terms of the uh, thought process which is i think that's something that i also concluded kind of doing a pilot in portugal or a pilot in spain to then going into brazil or mexico depending if you go to spanish speaking or or to mm -hmm. or to or to portuguese speaking i think that it goes uh, in the direction of what you are saying uh, don't lose the time with a pilot in portugal or in spain go directly to the market where you will scale because again you are doing two pilots you need to do the pilot <laughs> the market is not big enough you need to do a second pilot. So then you need 24 months in, instead of the 12 months, right? So, uh, and totally a lot of complexity because then it's it's difficult to say to the clients that you have acquired on those markets, we will go away to the, to the people that you have hired on those markets that maybe we need people working on a different time zone, uh, understanding the, because Brazilian is not the same as, uh, or Portuguese from Brazil is not the same as Portuguese from Absolutely. Portugal and, and the same from Spanish from Spain and Spanish from Mexico. <laughs> Good point. Anyway, let's go into the resources. Uh, favorite book? Um, I, I would go with No Rules Rules. Um, loved, loved like how, how Netflix and Reed Hastings brought that, brought a, a clear blueprint on corporate culture. But at the same time, there was a lot of psychological incentives how people think and operate and how they, how they basically changed uh, how to look into um, benefits, salaries, and, and everything. Favorite movie or series, as you wish? Mm, series. I'll have to go with Breaking Bad, movie, um, Love American Gangster, Shawshank Redemption. Um, those are two, two of my favorites. Great resources. And finally, your favorite podcast, excluding this one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great, great. Um, favorite podcast, excluding this. Um, like Masters of Scale, it was a good reference in the beginning. 20-minute uh, VC, Zencast. Um, those are three. Oh. Love those ones. Perfect. Uh, oh, it was really a pleasure to have you on the show, as I told you. Uh, it was really nice to, to talk to you. really enjoyed also your, uh, your, your personal skills, not only the, the business skills and what you did both in business, medical, and the personal side. It's, it's quite uh, admiring. And uh, again, thanks for joining me today and for joining our community. Thank you, Mike. It was a pleasure. Likewise, and to our community, we keep bringing you the best founders and investors to try to make your life a little bit easier on your journey from zero to one, one to 10, and hopefully from 10 to 100 uh, and being able to 
build a big company with uh, a, a huge impact on, on society with, with the work that you do. See you soon and keep scaling.